Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through to 17. And after getting into a boat, he crossed the sea and came to his own town. And just then, some people were carrying a paralysed man, lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up, and he went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, the patch pulls away from the old cloak, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins, otherwise the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and good morning and welcome. (laughs) Uh, this morning, we're, we're starting a, a two-week series uh, coming up to our annual meeting called uh, Plan to Succeed. Uh, we, we had a plan there, it didn't succeed, but we're, we're here, we, we've adapted and adjusted. And uh, As a church, uh, we've made plans, uh, and the plans have really covered our 150th year. Does anyone remember the, the vision statement? Really short. I'm not expecting it. Uh, (laughs) Celebrating 150, preparing for 150. Uh, So one part of it is celebrating 150 years for us as a church. The other aspect is us thinking about how we can be using this year to spring forward into the years to come. Uh, I've titled this series Plan to Succeed and I'm really proud of the clip art image I found which just typifies like 90s, early 2000s uh, business kind of 
things. No one plans to fail, so at one level the, the title uh, is irrelevant in, in itself, because uh, we all plan success. Uh, most people, uh, if they plan to fail, do it because they're planning a greater success of part of their, their grand plan. But we, we generally plan to succeed. The, the, the saying goes, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Uh, we, we know that. Good, good plans are helpful. Uh, we hear scripture which says the, the heart makes plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And as Christians, we kind of fit into this place of going, well, well how do we work out our plans? What does it look like to live out plans in a way that we can do God's business uh, together. Um, before we talk a little bit more on this, I wanted to share with you a story of, of planning success and failure in the middle. Uh, this is Katie and I roughly almost 14 years ago. Uh, you, you may see a glimmering ring, which we, we worked hard on this photo. This was the days before like you had mobile phones with selfies. So it's, it's harder with a, with a camera to get everything in the right spot. Uh, I'll point out some things in a little bit, but I was told when, when you proposed to, to a girl, you needed to make sure she had a story to tell her friends. And so, so I, I created a little bit of story. I've been collecting off the Ridley free table these books on how to be a pastor's wife from like the, the early 1930s through to 1980s, 1990s. You wouldn't believe some of the things that they said. Always make sure that, you know, you've got on hand fresh bread and some cucumbers uh, to make those cucumber sandwiches. Uh, make sure you have these kinds of things in the fridge because this is what you need in order to be a good minister's wife. And, and so I found all these books and over the course of a week I managed to plant them in different spots. There was one under Katie's pillow, there was one stuck on a stake uh, in, the, in the garden, there was, there was a... Yes, there, there was a whole bunch of these books, and the final book uh, had a note in it to go to a bookshop to get another book, and uh, when she arrived at the bookshop, she uh, got the book and, uh, and got the right book, got a flower, uh, and in the book was a map, and the map uh, detailed the path as to how to find me. I, I think for some reason she'd gone out for breakfast with friends and, and they were thinking, oh, maybe something's happening here in case, oh, no, 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 not really sure. But So she followed the map. She got to the place where she was meant to be, where it said park on the map. She looked at the map and looked at where she next needed to be and thought, I can get there better. Hopped back in the car, drove around three corners, crossed a bridge and I got this call from a, an exhausted Katie saying, where are you? I can't find you. I said, where are you? She said, well, I just crossed this bridge and I, I managed to figure out where she was. Uh, if by now you hadn't guessed where we were, we were in Studley Park and she was on the wrong side of the bridge. And I eventually found her a, a little bit exhausted, a little bit uh, parched. And that's the story of our engagement. <laughs> and she said, yes. <laughs> She said yes. That was the only way she was going to get the, the food and the champagne and everything else. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so, so that, was a, the, that was a plan completely irrelevant at, at some levels. Um, some, some will talk about plans and some will talk about passion. 
it's possibly relevant because passion's there and you can have all passion and no plans and get nowhere. What wins in the, in the short term? Often passion will win short term. Someone that's really passionate will, will get something done and then three weeks later they're really passionate about something else and the something that they've done has kind of fallen to the floor. And so, so plans are really useful. And so these two things aren't in opposition. But if, if you have plans and, and the, the plans are given by someone who's really boring and structured, you kind of, you don't want to do them, do you? Uh, so, so we need the passion to, to influence us towards the plans and well, why, why am I talking about this? Because we as a church need to begin to plan beyond St. Barnabas Day next year. We need to begin to think about what does it call, look like for us uh, to be serving God's mission as his people together uh, beyond, the, beyond next year and the years to follow. Thinking about well, what, what specifically has God called us to uh, plans are important because so, sometimes we hit uh, challenges and if, if you don't have a plan that uh, is able to look beyond the present, uh, it's easy to, to lose focus. But in the middle of that, our passion is connected to the understanding that, that God has called us to be his people. And when your plans aren't going well, you, you need a sense of calling that gives you the resilience to go beyond uh, difficult circumstances. Uh, why do we need plans? We, we need to gather around things together. We, we need to know what we're gathered around and kind of where we're going. But why do we need passion? But because we need to feed into uh, what God's called us to do with the passion that, that really comes from him. Uh, in, in Matthew's Gospel, and I'd love you to open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 9, we're on page 789, we, we get a number of contrasts from Jesus's ministry. And the, the contrasts that are, I, I think, helpful for us in thinking about what are our priorities. And so if you're on page 789, we're in Matthew's gospel, uh, we see here that uh, Jesus uh, is meeting with some people who are carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. And uh, when Jesus, uh, I love what it says here in verse 2, uh, it, it says, when, when Jesus uh, saw their faith, uh, he said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. So, the, so these guys carried in uh, this man, uh, this paralyzed man lying on a bed, and Jesus says to them, uh, son, your, your sins are forgiven. That, that was not what they were expecting. When it says they came into the room and uh, Jesus saw their faith, often when you read through the Gospels, uh, when Jesus sees the faith of someone, it's faith uh, to do what they know that he can do. So it's so a faith for him to fulfill his promise. So they had faith for healing. Jesus sees that they have faith in order to see this paralyzed man healed. And he says, your sins are forgiven. There's something going on here. Uh, the, the, the Pharisees uh, are really confronted by this because they're saying, well, who can uh, forgive sins uh, yet God alone? What, what are you doing uh, healing someone? Uh, it's, it's the wrong time to be healing someone. And so the Pharisees are, are overly concerned with structure and rules and what is right. Uh, Jesus is concerned for what is most 
important. Now, now we would look at this circumstance and say, you've got a paralyzed man before you, Jesus. Uh, What is most important is this man get up and he walks. But Jesus here shows us the priority of God's kingdom, that actually the priority of God's kingdom, uh, I mean, healing happens in its time, but the, the, the ultimate healing that God is looking for all of us is reconciliation. And the path to reconciliation with him is forgiveness. And so Jesus is pointing them, uh, the, both the, the people that brought the paralyzed man, as well as the Pharisees that, that are listening in, uh, to see that God's concern is for people. That people will be reconciled to him and that people will be reconciled to each other. That forgiveness is actually one of the greatest priorities for God. And so for us to, to think about our priorities as a church, knowing that we are a forgiven people is so important. But yet I've heard someone say, look, I don't think I'm really a big sinner. I don't think sin's a really big problem for me. And uh, at one level, our society that we live in is not saying, I've got a problem that I need to be forgiven for. And so what we need to recognize in this passage is that the way of reconciliation for us, between us and God, is is always uh, confession and forgiveness. Uh, I I don't know if if you notice uh, or are sensitive to what happens when we as a church corporately confess. But it not only shifts our heart, it, it shifts our connection with God. So often you, you may notice I'll, I'll insert uh, confession maybe in between two songs. One of the reasons I choose to, to do that is because I'm aware of how in the spiritual realms that brings reconciliation in the connection between us and God. There's things that we know that we've done and there's things that we don't know that we've done that cause a break in that connection. Now, we're not always aware of that break in connection. There's a great majority in this world that that don't know God, that aren't aware that there is a break in their connection between them and God. Now, God reaches out to us with with an offering of hope. And as we discover his mercy in forgiveness we realize that as he brings us near, because his his desire for all of us is intimacy, that intimacy with him and others, as he brings us near for the first time, we go, actually, God is with me. I know what it means to be with God. For for someone that doesn't know God, they, they don't know their need for forgiveness because they don't know there is this gap between them and God. And so Jesus is saying here in, in Matthew 9, there, there's a priority in the kingdom for forgiveness. And uh, that authority to forgive sins is through Jesus. Uh, we, we continue on, and Jesus meets with a guy called uh, Matthew, and he says to Matthew, the tax collector who no one else is friends with, follow me. Uh, and Matthew, the t- tax collector who hangs out with other people who aren't friends with the general population, that is, sinners, because they'll accept him. Uh, and Jesus eats with them, and the Pharisees are confronted by that because 
their assumption is that in order to be successful in life, you surround yourself with successful people. And if you surround yourself with successful people, oh, can we turn me down? Uh, if you um, surround yourself with successful people, then you will experience uh, success in life. Uh, so, so Jesus uh, challenges that thought because he actually goes to the people that are not successful. He goes to the people that are needing reconciliation and, and he eats with them. So, so what's Jesus showing us? He's showing us another priority of the kingdom that uh, we would find uh, the people uh, that are not experiencing success in life and that we would restore them to God through forgiveness. And through that forgiveness, we see the greatest success that is people being restored in relationship with God. And, and so again, he's shifting our priority to understand that uh, life's not all about just surrounding yourself with, with good people uh, so that you feel success. Life is actually seeing people restored. And success looks like being restored into relationship with God. Now, success lived alone uh, isn't particularly great. When I I achieve something and I I think I've done a good job at it, I I can feel good about myself. But the first thing I want to do is I want to share it with someone. And when I share it with the person and they don't celebrate my success, my success does, it feels diminished. But when you find someone and you tell them of how successful you've been at doing something and they celebrate it with you, your, your success is magnified. And so God's uh, designed us to, to work together, to be together and experience success together. And the successes he's talked to us about is uh, people are finding out they're forgiven people, so broken people finding that they're reconciled to God, uh, that the success is about reaching out to broken people with, with hope, uh, whether they receive it or not, and so celebrating that uh, as well. And, and you'll find often uh, when you reach out to a successful person and you tell them there's, there's something better, uh, that they're not as receptive, but when you teach them, when you reach out to a broken person and you say, actually, there's hope for you, and, it, and it's found in God, and they find reconciliation through him, uh, they're often far more open to it. And so, so we're looking as God's people uh, for the people that God has prepared for us to bring hope to, reconciliation to. And we, we see a further shift down, uh, looking at verse 14 and following. Uh, the disciples of John uh, were fasting often. Jesus' disciples were feasting often, sitting with tax collectors and drinking wine. And uh, Wine is good according to the Bible. Just get the wineskins right. I'm not going to explain those verses this week. I'm going to hold off this week on the last two verses and I'll, I'll talk to you about the significance of them for us uh, next week. God, God likes wine. Uh, God is preparing a wedding feast for us. There's a connection with the first story, just in case. <laughs> uh, God is preparing a wedding feast for us. So, so what are we learning about when, he, when he's talking about fasting? John's disciples were fasting because they didn't have. Uh, what didn't they have? Uh, proximity 
to Jesus, that is relationship. Uh, so, so what is God's priority for us? It is actually uh, not that we are fasting and praying because it's the right thing to do. It's that we would seek closeness with him. God's plan for us as a people is that we will pursue intimacy with him. Now, for all, for all of us, uh, that looks like uh, we live between Jesus being raised from the dead and ascended in heaven and coming again. We live here. For the disciples, they lived in a space where they'd been with Jesus, that experienced this intimacy, and then he was speaking into the fact that he was going to go and die on a cross and that he would no longer be with them. Uh, they fasted and prayed as they waited for the Holy Spirit, uh, desiring that intimacy. For us, we know that Jesus is with us always, but there's a, there's a with us always now, but there's also a not yet of him being with us. But he promises for us uh, his presence. And so in this kind of in-between, we as Christians do pray and fast. We know he's with us always, but he calls us into seasons of praying and fasting. Uh, so connecting back with the first thought, uh, what beats both plans and passion? Prayer. Us being a people of prayer. If we don't abide with him in prayer, if we don't abide with him in intimacy, then you can take plans and passion and they'll go nowhere. But we as God's people need to be deeply connected uh, to him and prayer and fasting is the one of the ways that is, is really helpful to do that. Now, what I'm going to ask of our church over the next week, I'm going to give you a survey. And in that survey, we'll fill it out in this time so you don't have to go home and do homework. Uh, in that survey, I'm going to ask you what has spiritually encouraged you uh, over this last year and a bit. Uh, what hasn't spiritually encouraged you? And what has helped you reach out, look outwardly? Uh, so we're going to be asking some questions. And so for those of you that like to think, let me encourage you to think over this week what's, what's been working well, what's encouraged you towards intimacy with God, uh, what's been helping you in order to look outward. Uh, for those uh, who are paper-only people, make sure you're here in person. For those who do email, I'll make sure that it's emailed out as well after the service. And we'll take that and we'll feed that in. But uh, following that, uh, we're over the next six, eight months as a church going to be thinking about what has God got beyond uh, our 150th St. Barnabas Day? What has he got for us? What does it look like for us to join together, experience joy in the journey of following Jesus together and invite other people to, to join in? And we'll make some plans so that when we hit St. Barnabas Day next year, we will have a plan for what is beyond St. Barnabas Day, how we're actually living this out together. Uh, what's important for us is to be praying and discerning what the plan is that God has for us. Uh, not what I, the plan I have, not what the plan the parish council has, not what the plan you think is best, but what is the plan that God has for us? I'm not precious on this, but, but God is, and he wants us to walk in step with him because that's the plan that will bring success. And when we experience success in him, we experience joy. Uh, remember what success looks like. It looks like people knowing forgiveness 
It looks like people being reconciled and us joining together with the broken and the broken being made whole. And uh, and it looks uh, like us enjoying wine together. <laughs> the, I'll get into that uh, next week. Uh, it, it looks like us being a people just deeply connected to God and his purpose for us. Now, what we're going to do uh, following our annual meeting, uh, the week following is Advent. Through Advent, uh, as we look at the coming of Jesus and long for his coming, we're going to use that as a time of fasting. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, we're going to figure out a way for each of us, and it, and it might look different for all of us, to pray and fast through that as a season. Uh, if you uh, find it helpful, sometimes I, I might find that I will uh, miss coffee, um, <laughs> which you know uh, will remind me that I'm needing to pray. <laughs> uh, it might look like that you, you miss a meal and dedicate that time to uh, praying. Uh, if food and um, diet's not a good thing for you, you to disrupt, then uh, there's other things you can give up Netflix, uh, you, you could... <laughs> there's lots of things that we could give up that could create space for prayer. Uh, you could give up games. That, that would be a, a huge sacrifice. But God honors sacrifices. <laughs> uh, but through that time, we're going to be praying and fasting that the Lord will give us some direction as the, the parish council goes to plan uh, in, in January. Uh, we'll have some information uh, to feed into that. And we're, we're not going to finish those plans then. We're, we're going to look uh, through that first six months. Now, you might be saying, Randall, you've got your seasons wrong. Actually, Lent is the fasting season. Advent's not the fasting season. That's a feasting season. That's right. But that's all right. We're, we're being led by the Spirit, not the law. <laughs> And that's part of the message of this passage. Uh, and so I'm excited as to what God has prepared for us and how we get to discover that together. And I'm looking forward to how he unifies us around that and how he builds us and propels us forward through that. And let me encourage you that, that each of you, uh, you're here. God's got a part for you to play. And all he wants is your yes. And the first part of your yes is saying, yes, I will pray and I will seek you. And I'm looking forward to what that looks like, God. So let's pray now. Uh, Lord God, thank you that you've prepared uh, things for us uh, that we have not yet even imagined. Uh, help us, Lord, uh, to be a people uh, that long uh, for your dreams and visions for us, uh, not only individually, Lord, but as a church, uh, that we will be shaped by your dream and your vision for us. Uh, Lord, it's sometimes difficult to see, understand, or discern, and so, Lord, we pray that you would increase our discernment, uh, that you would bless us with clarity, uh, that you would encourage us as we uh, seek. Uh, Lord, give us the strength to try again uh, where we've experienced failure. Lord, give us hope as to what you have prepared for us. Uh, help us, Lord, to begin to see others in this world in, in the way that you see others in this world, 
and help us to be a, a people of forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, Lord, as we look to you, we ask that you uh, would renew us, Lord, where we've been faithful Christians for, for many years. Uh, Lord, uh, renew us in the first love and the first hope that we've had. Uh, Lord, where you've been doing a new thing in us, Lord, continue to fan that into flame. Uh, strengthen us, build our, our confidence, protect uh, the faith that we have and grow our faith in such a way that we can flourish with you. Uh, Lord, help us uh, not to be uh, wise in our own eyes, but to seek your wisdom. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.